Um, as Pastor Danny said, I'm Pastor Bill. I've actually been the lead pastor here at Cornerstone for a little over eight years, which means that some of you know me pretty well by now. But if you're new, um, you may not know yet a couple things about me. I take very, very seriously my personal spiritual journey. I am utterly committed to do everything I can to become more like Jesus. I also take very, very seriously my holy calling to shepherd and to lead and to teach and to love the people of God. What I don't take seriously is myself. Um, if you know me, you already know that um, the perfect age for me is 13. I love when I can be a 13-year-old boy and do the kinds of things that 13-year-old boys do. Um, I like to goof around. I like to tease. I like to poke. I like games. And I like to just plain play, which means I don't take everything seriously in my life. For instance, my whole life, um, starting when I was actually a, a pretty little kid, I've loved aiming and throwing. Give me a target and give me a projectile, and the game is on. Whether it's blueberries that we're picking and my sister's butt, or boxcars on the train and the stones next to the track, or snowballs and cars, or if it's in the summer, you know, water balloons and cars. Um, I remember in college we were on a geology field trip. So the professor took all of us to this place where all these fossils are laying around at the bottom of a hill. Well, at the top of the hill, there was a little sign. And as far as I could tell, that sign was just begging to have somebody pick up some fossils and throw it at it. And he wasn't particularly well pleased. Um, when I was in, this is how far back it goes, when I was in either third or fourth grade, which means my brother was in first or second grade, um, we were out beside the house, um, and there was, the, the garage was, was over here, and then there was a small apple orchard. We, my parents lived on a farm. And, um, and we looked at the garage, and it had, you know, two sets of windows in the garage with like nine small panes of glass on the top and one big pane down below, and nine over here and one pane down below. Now, a couple of the windows were broken, so as a, you know, third grader and with my brother, younger brother with me, we just thought those windows were begging to have apples thrown through the broken windows. So we picked up rotten apples that were on the ground that were windfalls, and we started heaving them at the, the garage. We weren't great aims, so there was apple all on the side of the garage, but you know what happens, right? All of a sudden, we break more windows. Then the game changes. Can we break all of the windows? Then once we break all of the windows, the game changes again. How many times can we pick? I'm going to put it through the middle pane of glass when I throw this rotten apple. My dad was not particularly well pleased. His tools and the car he was working on in the garage were all covered with rotten apples. So, uh, we weren't, we really, we weren't bad kids. We were dumb, but we weren't bad kids, so we weren't trying to cause problems. We just figured that if there was a game, then we needed to play it. Well, and it doesn't matter. Give me water balloons, give me snowballs, give me blueberries. Anybody has been blueberry picking with me in this room knows that blueberries are a projectile, all right? Um, you know, frisbees, just anything that I can throw, baseballs, bat, it doesn't matter. If I can throw it, then I want to throw it. In college, that um, came down to, to frisbees as the most fun. 
because in the quad, you could wing the Frisbee 30, 40 yards out. Somebody else could catch behind their back, between their legs, and you tried to impress the girls that I'm pretty sure were never looking at us anyway. And, um, and then one of the things that you can do with the Frisbee, once you get fairly good, if there's a slight breeze, you can throw it up and away, and then the wind will bring it back. And the goal is to throw it out 30, 40, 50 yards up and not move and catch it. And the cool thing about that is that the Frisbee is the projectile, but you're the target. And there's this great satisfaction. I don't know whether that's what it was, but um, at some point, somehow, maybe I didn't have enough friends to throw things with, at some point I um, figured out time to get a boomerang. And um, boomerangs are, are challenging to throw. Um, it takes some practice, but that just makes it way more fun. This is actually the boomerang that I had in grad school. And, um, and I actually went out on Friday. I, I came across the illustration of the sermon, and so I found this and I went out and threw it on Friday. Um, boomerangs are actually the, um, one of my kids' worst dad jokes that they ever hear me say. And the joke is this. What do you call a boomerang that doesn't come back? A stick. I guarantee you right now that if my daughter Sarah is watching on YouTube, as she usually does, she just rolled her eyes and groaned and can't believe that I told that story. Well, the thing about boomerangs is um, they're designed aerodynamically. It doesn't take much. I could throw this here, and it would go as high as the, the top of the windows in the back of the auditorium. It would go out over Berkeley Street before it turned around and came back because of how it's aerodynamically designed and because it's gyroscopic motion. This, um, and it's, it's really, I mean, I would love to throw it and have you see, but <laughs> I'm gonna be good about that. Um, it's amazingly easy to throw, to make this thing go a long ways. Not to get it to come back to you, but to make it go a long ways. This um, boomerangs have a lot more power than you might imagine. So why am I doing show and tell? on a boomerang in church today. The reason is this. When we look at how Jesus reconstructs his faith, our faith in Matthew chapter 7, we actually discover the pattern of the boomerang. And today I want to talk to you first about the pattern of the boomerang from, from Matthew 7. Then I want to talk to you about the power of our seeking. First, the pattern of the boomerang and the power of our seeking. In case you're new to Cornerstone, as Pastor Danny said, this is actually the fourth of a five-part sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount, trying to figure out how does Jesus reconstruct faith out of the upheavals of the last two years in our culture and throughout the church and in our souls and in our relationships. Out of all of those upheavals, I've realized that I really want a better faith. I really want a better church, and I really want a better me. So I'm actually actively in a process of reconstructing my Christian faith, and I hope that you are too. What we have been in the past was maybe good for the past, but I think the world has changed in such a way. I think that God wants to do new things, that it's time for the entire church, for every single one of us, to reconstruct our faith, because I think the world needs a revitalized a revisioned, and a rebuilt Christian faith. And since that's what Jesus was doing on the Sermon on the Mount, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount for how to do that in our lives. And so each, in each chapter, we've seen a pattern that Jesus uses when he reconstructs faith, and, and we want to apply that pattern in our lives as well. So in Matthew chapter 5, we saw that seven times Jesus said, you have heard it said before, but I say to you. 
And the pattern that we see is that in times of deconstruction, in times of disillusionment, um, we hear all kinds of voices. We hear voices from our culture. We hear voices from the media. We hear voices from our parents, from our friends, from the church. And we hear lots of voices inside of our own heads. But in those times of deconstruction, it's not all those other voices that define our Christian faith. It's the voice of Jesus that defines our faith. We don't, as Pastor Denny said in the very first sermon in this series, we don't define our Christianity by what we hear in the media. We actually reflect and interpret the media by what we hear Jesus say. So the first pattern was, you have heard it said, this or that or the other, but what does Jesus say? And then last week in Matthew chapter 6, we saw a, a second pattern for our reconstructed faith, that is to never ever do our spiritual practices to be seen by people. Jesus says, don't give to be noticed by others, don't pray to impress people, don't fast to be seen as more spiritual, and don't invest for the accolades of mere mortals. Instead, Jesus teaches us for our reconstructed faith to give, pray, fast, and invest for God as an audience of one. A reconstructed faith that cares too much about what mere people think is not a faith that Jesus wants us to live out. So today, Matthew chapter 7. I want to show to you the pattern of the boomerang first, and then we'll get on to the second point. For better or for worse, the pattern of the, bo of the boomerang says that what we throw out there into the world is going to come back to us. What we throw out there is going to boomerang back to us. So let me read to you Matthew 7, verses 1 through 12, and then we'll walk through them and see what we can see. Jesus says this, Matthew 7, starting with verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn and boomerang to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, Jesus says, do also for them, for this is the law and the prophets. So you saw the pattern of the boomerang, right? It runs through the passage, but it starts right there in verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. 
So when Jesus says in verse 2, in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, he actually uses the word judge three times and the word measure three times. So if you just pile up the words, you know, literally word for word, what Jesus actually said is the judging you judge will be judged back to you, and the measure you measure will be measured back to you. This is the biblical pattern, the spiritual pattern of the boomerang. If we measure out judgmentalism to others, that judgmentalism that we use to judge others will boomerang back to us. If we measure out impatience to others, if we throw out impatience into the world, then the impatience that we throw out to others will boomerang back to us. If we measure out a critical spirit, then the criticalness that we give to others will rebound to us. This is the misery of being judgmental people, of being critical people, of being impatient people, because when we throw it out there, the pattern of the boomerang sends it back. If we measure out harshness, meanness, annoyance, we will receive back at some point in some way more harshness, meanness, and annoyance. And this is not the first time that we've seen the pattern of the boomerang in the Sermon on the Mount. We saw it in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, where Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And we saw it in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, when Jesus says, If you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is a biblical spiritual pattern. And it is part of, of fundamental Christianity to understand that what we throw out into the world rebounds back to us. It's actually, I think, woven into the fabric of creation itself. It is a spiritual law of the universe. What we throw out boomerangs back. Now, it's not a simplistic formula. It's not like if I forgive you, you're going to treat me better, you're going to forgive me. I mean, it's not, I mean there might be a one-to-one -one correspondence like that, but it not, doesn't necessarily have to be. The pattern of the boomerang is actually way bigger than the one-to-one -one correspondence. Some of our payback and blowback, for better and for worse, is going to be stored up for us in heaven. But here's the interesting thing as I thought of the pattern of the boomerang. I, I first thought of all the things that not to do because I don't want them to rebound back on me. But there's actually power in the pattern of the boomerang in how we can make the world a better place. If we give more grace to the people in our lives, not only will there be more grace in the world, but more grace will rebound to us. If we give more love to people, not only will there be greater love in the world, but we will receive more love in God's timing and in God's way. If we give more mercy, more mercy will be in the world and we will receive more mercy. If we give more kindness, there will be more kindness in the world and we will be blessed by receiving kindness in response. So, would you please see the, the pattern of the boomerang as a call to action? There's a call to non-action. I mean, don't do the judging, right? Don't do the criticalness. Um, don't do the impatience. But it's also a call to action that we might might throw out into the world goodness and honor and kindness and gentleness and joy. Cornerstone Church. Could we become a people who boomerang the mercy and goodness and grace of our God? Can we be that kind of people? 
When the world looks at the church, that's not normally what they see. They see the other lists of things that we're doing badly. Could we prove the world wrong by throwing out into the world goodness and grace and honor? From the pattern of the boomerang, Jesus goes on to continue to teach in Matthew chapter 7. And in his next few verses, I actually see an incredible power in our seeking. Power in our seeking. So this is Matthew 7, verses 7 to 11. I'll read them to you again. Ask, Jesus says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or ask for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, this whole teaching is about prayer. The words for ask and seek, um, the word for knock, they are words that are commonly, in some cases, overwhelmingly used for when we come to God in prayer. And the context shows us that the, in these verses, Jesus is teaching us something very significant for our lives about prayer. And, I mean, I'm actually, I'm actually kind of blown away by what Jesus says in this, these verses. If we ask, then God will answer. If we seek, then we will find what we're seeking. If we knock, God will open the door of his presence in our lives. That is, that is mind-blowing to think that we mere created human mortals can ask and then God will respond to our requests. But there's something vitally important that we have to know about the way that Jesus says we are to ask. And there's some Greek grammar in here. Um, very quickly, um, in, in the Greek language, the present tense doesn't, in English, the present tense tells us that something's happening now. In Greek, it doesn't so much say when something's happening, it describes the, the way that it's happening. So in Greek, in the tense that Jesus used for these words, ask, seek, and knock, it is in a tense that is not just we ask once and then we're done. It's that we ask and we continually, continually, ongoingly ask. So the promise that Jesus gives us if we ask, seek, and knock is not for sporadic, occasional, oh, hey, I'd like this, God, because we heard some new podcast or went to some retreat or something. It's not sporadic, occasional asking, seeking, and knocking that Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is actually talking about a spiritual, developing spiritual practices in our life where we, in an ongoing way, every day throughout our day, are asking, seeking, and knocking for God's presence in our life. When we ask, seek, and knock like this, Jesus promises that God will answer, that we will receive what we ask for, and that God will open up his presence to us. Now, again, this is not a simplistic formula. In my life, when I actually get to, to the point where I ask and seek and knock like this continually through my day, I actually find that, that what I ask God for starts to transform. That the Spirit, when I ask and, and when I'm, I'm hungry for God's presence, the Spirit actually causes me to want better things than I wanted at first. And then I find that 
God gives me the desires of my heart. Now, here's the crazy thing about this. Jesus doesn't say some of the people who ask and seek and knock continually like this, some of them will get what they want. He's very clear to say everyone who pursues God like this in a continual way, everyone will receive, everyone will find, everyone will experience God's presence. So how often do you ask for God's help in your daily life? How often in your day-to-day -day life do you seek God's guidance and wisdom? How often do you present to God your longings and desires and ask him to fulfill them, to transform or fulfill them? How often in your day do you actually kind of knock on the door of God's presence and say, God, could you open the door, just be with me? The power of this kind of asking and seeking and knocking is that Jesus promises we will receive, we will find, we will experience life on a whole new level. One of the reasons why the world can discount Christians is because our lives don't look much different than theirs. But what if we pursued God like this? In our reconstructed Christianity, what if we decided that moment by moment we would pursue and seek the presence of God? How might we start to live on a completely different level in the world. So can I encourage you to develop you, each of you, develop ongoing spiritual practices where through your day you are redirecting yourself to, to be aware of God's presence and what God wants to say to you and do through you. You can wake up in the morning. You can decide that as soon as you wake up in the morning, you are going to Greet the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and dedicate your day to what they want to happen in you and through you. At every meal, when you say grace, you can say, Father, give me the strength to serve you well as you give thanks for your food. Each time that you become anxious about something or have a problem that you don't know how to solve and it starts to bother you, you can develop a spiritual practice where you take that to God in prayer and say, God, can you give me your wisdom? When you meet with your, your Christian friends, I, I love when Christian friends, either before they do something or after they do something, I love when there's a pattern where they just pray together. I also love when Christians share with each other what they're asking for from God so that they can pray for each other and encourage each other to ask for the right things. And when you put your head down on your pillow at night, you could have your last thought, your last dialogue, be a conversation with Jesus, asking Jesus to help you live even better for him tomorrow. Jesus ends this passage with verses 9 and 10 when he says, which of you, if your child asks for bread, will give him a stone? Of course not, right? Or if your child asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. Of course not. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Will you start to ask? And not just Sunday to Sunday. Would you just simply start to ask God regularly? day by day, for what you long for and for what he longs for, for you. So I once spent an entire year 
actually really truly, I spent an entire year preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. And the church, we went 52 weeks and covered every passage that was there. Um, it is Jesus's most concentrated presentation of both his ethics and of his discipleship pathway. Because when Jesus says to ask, seek, and knock like this, that is a discipleship pathway. That is about spiritual practices that shape us into who he wants us to be. And I encourage you to make the Sermon on the Mount the very center of your Christian faith. If you will do that, you'll read the rest of the scripture, but if you will do that, then in times of disillusionment or, or upheaval, you will be able to return to the Sermon on the Mount and you will learn new things and you'll remind it, be reminded of old truths that Jesus wants for you to live out in the world. So I'd like to, um, to not end this by just having an idea in your head. Let's actually take two minutes and let's go before the Lord. And so there's a slide up there that will have some questions. We'll just be quiet. I'll keep track of the time. At the end of two minutes, I'll just do a closing prayer. But let's not leave this passage from Jesus without doing what Jesus invites us to do. So be still now. Take two minutes. Let Jesus know what you would like to ask for from him. Lord Jesus, help us to 
when everything's shifting around us. Help us to listen for your voice. Father in heaven, help us in our spiritual practices to live out our life for you as our audience of one. And Holy Spirit, help us to, to grasp the significance and power of the pattern of the boomerang and help us to, to live into the incredible power of seeking you the way Jesus invites us to do that. We give ourselves to you completely and wholly. Help us to do that moment by moment every single day this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.